Different Gravy, not just another Sheffield Wednesday podcast. I'm one of the hosts, Richard Miller, and my co-host has lost such a volume of so many different bodily fluids with the release at full time that he is now two stone lighter. The svelte, Dr. Luke Gledor. How are you doing today, Luke? Very good. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm just, it's <laughs> such, a, such a relief to get all those pesky liquids out of my body. <laughs> a purge of sorts. Exactly. That's what we all need, right? Long overdue. Long overdue. <laughs> well, I think there's a fair amount to get to today, so I'm, I think uh, probably a good idea to to get ourselves into the the news for the week, if uh, if that's all right with you, Luke. That sounds beautiful. Breaking hoo-hoos. Breaking hoo-hoos. Uh, well, we've had a couple of free agents training with us. I think that's probably the first thing to uh, to cover off. Um, so Danny Simpson, uh, the first of those, and we've also heard about Ravel Morrison towards the end of the week. Um, Danny Simpson has been and gone, so we, we can sort of talk about that um, in, with uh, with a bit more surety. But uh, what 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 do you make of of the fact that we're looking at some free agent options? Is it is it a positive, or does it feel a bit of a bit desperate, or a bit of both. A bit of both, perhaps. Mm. I don't think that we're probably in this window to pick up any free agents who are going to greatly improve anything that we're going to do as Sheffield Wednesday Football Club. I mean, really, at this point, it's just really just more bodies to get in. So, that, you know, get onto the training ground and then pick up the Wednesday hoodoo or maybe just get injured because Wednesday's training ground is under par for the terms of what yeah. we're doing as a professional football club. Maybe that's seemingly a lot of things that uh, a lot of people a lot of fans and maybe maybe we've heard some some tinkerings and rumors over the years from people people semi-involved and involved in Sheffield Wednesday in the past have said about Sheffield Wednesday's training facilities but I don't outside of that there's there's not really there's not really much else I don't think there's anyone who's going to be that free and that available for that long that they would come and walk in and you know just set the set the world alight for a Sheffield Wednesday really yeah, I suppose on the face of it, Simpson makes mm. more sense because fullback has been an issue all season, and mm-hmm. it wouldn't hurt to have another experienced player in that can play left back or right back, um, or in a pinch, centre back. Um, mm-hmm. So that did. I suppose that there was a you know there's at least some kind of level of. Um, well, yeah, to use the, use the same word again, sense uh, to that. Um, but a, a guy with a, a checkered past, a guy that is is getting on in years. Um, I believe he's thirty six years old, which is no spring chicken, and certainly not. Is he thirty six, or did I thought he heard he was thirty four? Well, here's the moment of truth. Who will get there first? He's thirty four. He's thirty four. Sorry, I don't know where I got thirty six from. Thirty-four is basically thirty-six. Yeah, in 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 sort of um, right back years. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Remind me of those how those years kind of pan out from the positions to different. Like, so a, a goalkeeper. If a goalkeeper is thirty-four, how much is he in goalkeeper years, Rich? In goalkeeper years, a thirty-four-year-old goalkeeper is twenty-eight, I think, or okay. twenty-nine. How about a how about a midfielder? 
He was 34. Um, are they are they a kind of all-action midfielder or are they more of a holding midfielder? All-action midfielder. All-action midfielder. 34 is actually 47. Ah, uh, so it's good to know. There's real science behind this. Whereas a holding midfielder is actually just 34. They're actually the same as human years. I forgot that kind of three-year stint you had on the <laughs> uh, the football aging agents agency. And uh, you told me about your one-year secondment to look over the Nigerian football players aging exactly. as well. <laughs> yes, yes. Some very interesting things. We'll maybe get on to a different podcast. But anyway. But I am Dan. lauded for my work in Milan. Um where you know using my knowledge of of ages um they were able to have a back line that was entirely 40 years old and <laughs> they continued to get good mileage from them um anyway you were picking them up and squeezing them like they were melons <laughs> at the supermarket weren't you rich yes i mean this, you can really tell the freshness of a maldini by sniffing its head um <laughs> But whether or not it made sense to to have Danny Simpson, there's also a sort of moral angle because he is someone that has been accused of some pretty um, heinous uh, action towards women during his um, during his life. Um, all of that kind of moral conundrum and the the practical side of things as well, just in terms of footballing, doesn't matter because supposedly we've said no. He's also pitched up at another club now and. Um, I believe has signed for for Bristol City uh, this weekend. So um, that's that's it's academic really at this stage. Um, Ravel Morrison, <laughs> I mean, famously sort of an enfant terrible of English football for as as long as he's been in the public eye, um, and that just means he's a terrible child. And uh, as he gets older, <laughs> both of those things just get truer and truer. Um, have you ever seen any? There's a obviously a hyped, you know, famously like there was sort of people saying things like the most talented player ever to come out of the academy at Manchester United and things like that. There was all that sort of talk in his early years. Um, he was kind of booted out the door at United for disciplinary and, and other issues. Uh, went to West Ham. I don't think he did anything there. He's been around a lot of clubs. He's also done the hmm. Europe, um, spent some time at Marseille. Um, <clears throat> and he's spent time with the pigs as well. Uh, so he's he's been around the world. Aye, aye, aye. Aye, aye, aye. Have we ever seen any of the, of the famed kind of wonderfulness from him? I've, well, I've never personally seen him have a good game, but that doesn't mean a, that it doesn't happen. What a damning indictment that he's rocked up at the pigs. And uh, Chrissy Chrissy Wilder hasn't been able to uh, unveil his magic of unveiling uh, another diamond in the rough. You know, Chrissy Chrissy Wilder's uh, finishing school has failed on yes. that occasion. So, but that's just indicative of kind of every case that's been, like you said, on his kind of John Bostock kind of football manager whirlwind around the around the world in um, fifteen career years or whatever it is. Yes, yeah. Yeah, it, it makes the thing that was interesting that you said about Danny Simpson is it makes more sense from a defender's perspective to pick up someone on a free who's a free agent. And I think, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of work to be done on, on the football pitch. But I I wouldn't want to be looking at someone who's not played competitive football for I don't know how long 
mm. to come in and play in the middle of the park. Like the and thing I, that's very much about the Sheffield Wednesday team right now is like it's heartbreaking. We have so few options in the middle of the park that are fit and willing, but that's where all the action is. You know, we can talk about like, oh, it's another game where we've got five strikers fit. Yes. You know, but then, you know, they're always fit because they're never really, we don't really get to the point, you know, they're not running the game at the, the final third of the of the pitch, are they? No, and it's interesting, the current system probably asks more of that middle two than at any point previously this season as well, um, when we've mm. only got really two players that can do it. But then there's just been a very, it's a very disappointing, many things are disappointing. But I felt like we've seen this, and I don't know if we've explicitly kind of called this out, but I think we've been feeling this, and I think other Wednesdayites have been feeling this as well. Maybe it's not been enunciated, and I haven't seen this said anywhere, but it felt very much under Monk, was like, we don't have that many fit defenders, so why are we playing free and free yeah. centre-backs? We don't have that many fit centre midfielders, so why are we playing free centre midfielders? Yeah. It felt like we had more options on the wings and up front, like I've said, so it's... But then that is an underlying, if you look at the squad, you're like, well, if we look at the squad, we should have plenty of options to to be able to do these formations and to run, have this situation. But then, you know, there's countless, countless injuries. You know, there's a question of their play, the play of makeup. Yeah. And then there's a question of their injury records as well coming into this. So we ask a lot of some very, very limited players. I mean, the fact that we've... We've made lots of comments about this. The amount of mileage that we've got on Kadeem Harris yeah. is astonishing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I've, I find I find the Ravel Morrison thing sort of intriguing, but I, I can't, he's not going to be any better than Izzy Brown at the same. And I no, and Izzy Brown doesn't get a look. He's he's just Izzy Brown, like that same sort of guy that doesn't want to get involved in any of the work of midfield but also doesn't want the utmost responsibility of being a forward himself. So he wants to kind of play between the lines with no responsibility. Right. And kind exactly. of nice little flicks. when the ball Right. You talk about that temptation of living this kind of Frank Lampard hinterland, right? Yes. Yeah. That Leilana yeah. life. Exactly. <laughs> uh, well, we'll see. I, I, personally, I, I sort of like the fact we're having a little look at what's available because why not at this stage? Um, but but the, at this stage, though, yeah, yeah, because that's the thing. It was the thing with Andre Green was like Andre Green. We could have signed at any point. I know we I know. signed him in the January transfer window, and it's like, oh, we've been chatting since the summer, right? The summer which Gary, you know, you're chatting with Gary Monk, but then if we're led to believe, if Gary Monk had a say in the squad and a say on final say on players, like he wasn't, it wasn't a Gary Monk player because you know the journalists at the time. As part of one of you know, part of some of their pieces were like, he's not a wingback. So yeah. why would we sign him? Or you then sign him to be another option to play up front because you basically said the forward line doesn't have enough pace. But then you're bringing in someone who's I don't know, is not really renowned for his finishing abilities, right? He can probably score a goal or two. I don't but, really know. Yeah, I don't really know what, what But he's not gonna kind of oust our forward options outside of Windass Roads. No, etc. No. Probably Kachunga to a certain degree as well. I can see a job for Gray though. What he did Green. today, I think, is a perfectly fine thing. It's a f- perfectly fine contribution to make. I just don't know what a similar version of that is for somebody that would be playing 
in our midfield necessarily. So that's the only. Just to pick up, you know, I have Liam blindness. You have uh, Andre color blindness as well because it's not it's Andre Green. It's not Andre Gray. Just to correct you. Sorry, Green. Sorry. Um, he doesn't see Andre color. Everybody. <laughs> Um, no, green, sorry, sorry, not grey. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, if only. Uh, <laughs> mind you, another person with um, pretty questionable uh, <laughs> moral judgments to add to whatever footballing bits and pieces he brings to the table. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, that that kind of like, let's lead the line late and sort of keep them honest, stretch out a team, stop them defending in our half. Um, all those things are, are useful things to bring to the table. And he also brings a bit of height to that, which Harris can't. Mm. Uh, so if if we can get ourselves ahead in games, which actually we've done fairly well <laughs> of late, uh, and get to the stage where we are trying to sort of draw out um, the game and, and cause issues for the opposition on, on the break, I think he's got a role to play in that. I don't know whether that was the plan all along. It's a bit hard to see any planning in terms of our recruitment generally, but mm, I just find Ravel Morrison an, uh, a weird one because I just don't, I don't know what we're adding with him. From what I know of him as a player, I don't know what we would be bringing in. But again, there's there's no, that, that's the interesting thing you're saying that, you know, he fancies that kind of, that kind of number 10 kind of link up role. Mm like in the hole type thing but it's like i don't i don't think he's ever really done enough to ever kind of put his name down as a game changer you know no. as much talent as the guy has as a football player supposedly supposedly the other qualities that come with it to make him a success have not been there like i don't think we need any more bit part players to it's nice to have options to look at to change things from the bench but i i think it's i think it's um I don't think it's our biggest option. I think it's our biggest thing to look at is looking at improving the starting eleven. Yeah. I don't want to sign someone who's going to flow in for a bit. Like, I mean, we have, we've already got Izzy Brown, right? <laughs> yeah. We have and then we've got, Thank you very much. And then we would like, I think we would like to have seen a lot more of Delhi Pashura this season, but he's... Certainly, I would prefer, I'd prefer to yeah. get him to go. Sorry. No, he's, I think he's been the exact same thing. Yeah. I think we have other options to kind of look at to do that. I'd like I would have wanted I would have wanted someone to kind of start in the midfield who's going to add to that if we were going to look at a system where we were going to play free in the middle. Like I'd pre- yeah, I, I don't know, that. it's disappointing. I'd prefer giving yeah, giving those moments to the moments when Ravel Morrison's going to get on the pitch. I would much prefer giving them to Delhi Bashiru who we know is with us next season. We know mm. has a, you know, his hopefully his best years are ahead of him, rather than this kind of never been in Ravel Morrison. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So what is really yeah, and also making a move like that is such a damning indictment to the players that we have our options already, right? Yeah, a complete. I don't know. A complete kind of um, hail mary effort is worth giving a try because you are so so bad. Um, yeah, it does say things, doesn't it? <laughs> without without saying the words. Mm-hmm. Um, did, we're going to get onto the game, the midweek game. But just before we do that, we're gonna, we've got a uh, we're lucky enough to have another listener question, which is nice. Um, this one fairly tongue in cheek. The last one was quite serious. Uh, but D- David Holdaway uh, sent through an, uh, an email to differentgravypod at gmail.com and um, has asked 
does anyone find the uh, yeah anyone else find the extreme close-ups of Darren Moore thoughtfully sucking on his hoodie strings a bit too ex- explicit? <laughs> uh, I, he's a fascinating study, is Darren Moore. I, I like seeing him on the sideline and the times that he inexplicably sort of um, does the kneely thing that um, he gets on his haunches like um, <laughs> like Pep Guardiola. Um, you know, why does that happen? And just his overall kind of presence, he's almost got this kind of, you know, like a rock golem or something like that, you know, like some sort of mythical creature. <laughs> what do you what do you make of the of the long lingering uh, close-ups, Luke? Well, I'm curious like how much of this we have to kind of look at and have to think about these days in the context that so much of TV is on football, so much football is on TV, sorry. Mm. Maybe, maybe maybe the reverse of that kind of works as well. But maybe that's so heightened. I don't know. I mean, this yeah. was, it was really funny that, that David, you sent that question in because, you know, we had, um, we had the full, or at least there was, I don't know if this is, this is a slightly more full camera treatment for coverage of a game today because this was selected for international coverage. Yes. And, I'm curious, we can get on to talking about commentary when we cover the game today, um, a bit later on in the show, but um, there was a lot to be said about making a narrative about about managers. Right, right? okay. So, I agree, but I I don't know. Well, actually, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe I'm so forlorn and sodden with Sheffield Wednesday football this season, <laughs> which has felt like an arduous marathon where every stop you get to you don't get given a bottle of water. Someone just spits in your face. <laughs> but partly sometimes I, I would like more footage of including crap things today. Like here are some builders on a cherry picker. Watching yes. the game. <laughs> yeah. You know, when we could, when we watched Exeter and it's like, here's a seagull. Here are some fans in a house nearby because there's no, <laughs> there's no narrative of the fan experience anymore. No. And it's largely, it's like, Piped to noise is shit, but also just listening to people bellowing on the sidelines yeah. isn't very good either. It's slightly better or less worse. Less worse. Kind of, yeah. Less yeah. worse is the qualification. Yeah, it is a bit excessive. I will agree. Yeah. Especially when I guess the funny thing is it's kind of like, I don't know, are there, are there many kind of second tier managerial kind of characters who we, we love seeing trot up the sidelines or pull some like Alan Pardew moves or, you know, oh, have really? the sheer, sheer galactic ego of like a Jose Mourinho or something like this. I mean, I suppose Warnock's a bit of a star, isn't he? And uh, there's a, you know, he kind of has a built-in narrative of just being football's favourite asshole. Um, oh, look, yeah, he's giving the referee what for. <laughs> oh, he's in the ear of the fourth official, like a curmudgeonly uncle that um, you're slightly embarrassed by. But uh, at the end of the day, you just want to sort of tousle his hair. Uh, <laughs> other than that, I don't know, really. There's not much in the way of star star quality on those sidelines. Um, okay, shall we move along to... I think it's more the nature of there's so much football on TV right now. So And so much of that's like, oh, we've got to create a narrative. Like, Well, we've had a couple of weeks of he's the new manager... Then yeah. it comes, he's the new manager that's not won. 
Now yeah. he's a manager who's on his way to winning. So I suppose, yeah, you're, you're all, they're always trying to tell a story, um, sometimes at odds with what actually is happening in the game often. Uh, but they're, they're always pushing, as you say, pushing a narrative. Mm. Um, it and, is a bit tedious, but then football is tedious right now, isn't it? Yeah, and he's been naturally been the centre of that narrative. So it'll be interesting sort of going forward as he ticks off first, whether... Uh, whether that eases up a little bit because he's you, you you only get to be new shiny and new for so long and uh, that will quickly wear off but whether he still gets um, gets quite so much play from the cameras we'll see does it make you want to have a chew on your hoodie toggles i just always think he looks quite cozy <laughs> does that make you feel more cozy or does it yeah. make you feel or are you like i feel comforted oh, by the sight you see i don't beautiful. like it I don't mind it. I've got to say, um, <laughs> Beats looking at Tony Pulis and that stupid baseball cap of his. Do you reckon um, the kitsman has to provide new string for the toggles if he gets it too soggy? Do you yes. think he like? Yeah, that's his prime task quality. now. That's that's like the kitman's kitman's. I like how you say kitman. Kitman. Like it's, it's a like Jewish sp- surname. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Spiderman, isn't it? Spiderman, yeah. We're going around the kitmans. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we took on Huddersfield Town. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I don't know whether it was the fact that the Hillsborough pitch is looking so bad and the red of the kit, but for some reason I just kept on thinking we were playing Birmingham City. Um, and I don't know why. I just kept, you know, like my internal, I suppose it's a monologue. <laughs> Unless you're unless you're actively having conversations with yourself, my internal monologue was constantly calling them Birmingham City when they were not. They were they were Huddersfield Town, but it was yeah the fact that they were wearing the red away strip and um, and the fact that Hillsborough is looking as bad as St Andrews has been looking this season just seemed to in my mind cement this idea that it was it was Birmingham, not Huddersfield. But um, we did play Huddersfield. <laughs> um, Borna came back in um, at, at the left side of the three at the back. Um, we went into what we mm. seem seems to be our attacking mode, which is that we play reach at left wing back. Um, that's the signal that we we're going to take you on rather than just defend. <laughs> <laughs> for some teams, that would be a white flag. For us, that's our um, our charge into battle. Mm. <laughs> and it, we do, you want to, do you want to hear my epic, epic markup of this game? Please. Like just the, so, Huddersfield, the Cavonia cloggers, hoping to unclog Wednesday the dirty brown mucus that they are <laughs> with uh, foul-tasting but effective football. <laughs> oh, dear. I always think Cavonia tastes like um, Coca-Cola mixed with mustard. But it does get the job done. You can't argue with it, really. <laughs> I'd love to live. I'd love to live in your world, Rich. <laughs> so Harris kept his place in the team. So despite the fact that we sort of changed things around at wing back, Harris kept his place in the team, and he became part of that three up top. Um, and I think he really struggled. I don't know whether it was the pitch or the new position or whether he was tired or I don't know. But he gave the ball away. So, so many times. Um, mm. It really was becoming frustrating. It was hard to build things because 
Harris would either come back and get involved or just with his pace naturally be the player that the ball got to. And he just couldn't seem to keep hold of it. He couldn't seem to find a Wednesday player with a pass. Um, that was kind of ongoing throughout the game, unfortunately. Um, we also had the weird, in terms of slightly misfiring, uh, this was not a bad performance, I think, overall. It's just worth saying, because I think last week we played well against Norwich and didn't get the rewards. We didn't play as well, but probably deserved to win the game against Huddersfield if we hadn't sort of screwed things up for ourselves. So these these criticisms are things where things just went awry on the journey towards a fairly fairly okay performance if that's if that's all right to say um but the other thing that happened a few times was the ball was played long to Harris and he was flicking it down the wing for Rhodes that happened on like three separate occasions which really can't have been the plan that uh, Harris flicks it on for Rhodes to chase him behind um but the, the the big incidents first half and the Campbell Fraser Campbell who was just being annoying all game, uh, exactly mm. the sort of performance that would have been rewarded with a, the chance to score and celebrate in front of the cop had fans been in the in the stadium because that's just the way he was playing. Um, but he had a pretty good shout for a penalty against Tom Lees. What did you make of that moment? Can you can you recall it? I can. I thought it was a. I didn't think it was a penalty. It would have been I, harsh, I, I think. It, but it, it was a bit a bit soft. But it was a fair shout, I think, as well. You've seen them given, as we, as they say. Um, but obviously, the biggest moment of the half uh, was Rhodes taking the ball down 36th minutes and once uh, well, not not really taking it down, controlling the ball and and um, kicking, flicking a volley forward for Windass, who looked so strong and quick on the break and and finished really really well um, mm. at, at the. Uh, coming from the right-hand side of the pitch and finishing at the near post. Um, so, they, these two are starting to look a bit like a partnership now. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? I would never have thought that these two could be, you know, two people that exist in the same world, let alone in the same football team. <laughs> and then let alone, like, meet each other on the pitch to play football with each other as part of a front two partnership. It's it's a bit strange, but it's it, it seems to be working. I'm not entirely sure why, but no, they they very much seem to be building up the biggest the biggest partnership I think we've seen this season between two strikers. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's interesting. Yeah, it's a good question as to why what is making it work. And I think undoubtedly we're seeing more from Rhodes than we've ever seen before in a Wednesday shirt. So. Whether we attribute that to, I think there's several things at play. Um, there's a bit of the shop window. We all remember end of contract Atty and um, and end of contract Joao doing sort of wonderful things that they've never done before and never did again for us. Um, there's a bit of that. I think Rhodes is playing up to to the moment, and that's great. Um, I also think tactically we just it just seems to suit him a bit better i don't know whether we're being whether we're being asked to take a bit more care if we play long so like the the instruction is to to play long when the opportunity's there but to to pass it forward rather than just get rid i don't know because i can't imagine suddenly we've all become passers at the back there <laughs> that's not something that happens i don't think um mm. 
whether we're being t- whether there's better instructions about areas to play it into but effectively what's happening is Rhodes is winning headers and flick-ons that it just wasn't happening before and it hasn't happened in his time at the club um and Windass is very happy playing that role on the shoulder and just trying to work his way in behind with his pace he's he's particularly like on the break he's fast like he's his acceleration mm. is very good i don't know how quick he is i think he's like a good sprinter and not particular if if you took him to 200 or 400 meters he probably would be middling but he's very quick in that first burst of pace and he's an acceleration be, 18 pace 13 something like that yeah yeah um then that gives him options and and i think given that simplifying his role and like boiling it down to something that's very achievable and understandable seems to work well for him um it's when he gets bogged down with more options often is when he things fall apart for him (laughs) if it's very clear and he's got the one option to either shoot or one option to pass he's he's quick enough skillful enough um to to take up those opportunities more often than not and obviously we saw that again today um but it's nice i like it i mean i'm like i'm liking the the fact that they seem to be sparking off each other and it's wholly unexpected but um but a welcome thing to uh to see um the other p- big moment in the, the the first half is um and was commented after the game by darren moore Rhodes probably should have had a penalty um it, it was the sort of breakdown of a set piece and and Rhodes took control of the ball in their box and the huddersfield defender just fairly lazily hung his leg out there and and, and caught him uh, and it, the ref had a good view. I don't know why he didn't give it. It really should have been a penalty. And that obviously could have been very important because if we'd gone 2-0 up, that's a much much easier thing to hold on to a 2-0 lead than, than a 1-0 lead. Although, obviously, not beyond us to to mess up a 2-0 lead. But it would have... It might well have buried a pretty poor-looking Huddersfield team, I think. Um, any other thoughts from that first half? No, I haven't had a chance to go back and look at the... Um, I'm kind of leaning on you for that kind of look at the kind of highlights for this right now, Rich, because... Um, That's fair enough. I, I was a bit distracted. I just saw the goals, though, when they happened just midweek. But um, no, no, no other great observations, I'm afraid. Okay. Um, so the big moment in the game, Hutchinson goes down injured. Um, it becomes fairly clear that he... he, he um, he was, couldn't continue. And so that meant we had to make a sub. What was strange was we made three substitutions all at once at that stage. And mm. this is one of these odd things that we've come back to again and again over the last two seasons is unnecessary interruptions when things are going okay, making a huge... We didn't. We needed to make one change. That's fine. One change mm. at the back is quite a significant thing. And because Hutchinson was the middle of that three... Bringing on Uruguide meant that Lees had to move to the middle. So two out of our three centre backs move. That's a that's a. I don't know if I mean I don't want to call myself myself a maths genius, but that is most of the defence has changed. <laughs> right. What you don't need to add on top of that then is another midfielder and a change of striker and. We just lost what rhythm we had and and what was working in the game seem to fall apart. Um, I, we've talked back and forth about Shaw, and obviously last week we talked about 
his statement and you know how, how that was fairly classy and that was him saying you know I'm going to do what I can for the team the there's another question whether he should be what he should be asked to do for the team and I, on this showing and and recent showings I've got to say I'm leaning on I'd rather not see Liam Shaw playing for us not out of spite I just think he's a young man and whatever is going on in his head is seemingly not conducive to good good play on the football pitch. It's a long time since we've seen a performance out of Liam Shaw and he did the sum total of nothing when he came on uh, on Wednesday night. Um, really disappointing, really poor. Patterson wasn't great either, it has to be said. And um, leading up to the moment where, where we conceded, Patterson obviously put, put in the own goal, although I think it's hard to... It sort of hit, bounced off him, right? It wasn't much that he did wrong I don't think um you can argue about his positioning and whether he was sort of reacting too late um their goal came from a very deep free kick into our box it came a really long way um I think Westwood should have dealt with it I think he should have come out and and uh, caught it or punched it clear I think that stops things developing uh, but as it was I, I think it was Saar um was just very brave and got himself on the end of the the ball, um, flicked it towards the opposite post, and and that's where Patterson, you know, it bounced off his sort of mid midriff and uh, and went in. Um, really disappointing. They didn't have many chances. It wasn't one of these games where you sat thinking it's a matter of time. Uh, but ten minutes after those strange subs, we we conceded, um, and we didn't really get much rhythm back until very near the end. Um, I think, oddly, the Kachunga sub was a positive. I thought Kachunga looked bright when he came on um, and gave Patterson a, a, a pretty decent chance to to put us in the lead again. Uh, but but really, there was not a huge amount of incident towards the end of the game. Um, once they scored their equaliser, it felt like they were pretty happy with that and um, and we couldn't muster... It's hard to once you've started making those defensive changes and and settled into a defensive mindset. It's hard to switch it back on and attack again, and uh, we we didn't really get that going, uh, unfortunately. So a point won, um, <laughs> or well, a point gained. Um, whether it's two points lost, I don't know, but a point is more than nothing, and it's a long time since we've got a point in a game. <laughs> Uh, so it was nice not to lose. Um, our first draw of the year, uh, the last one was was at Blackburn uh, in Tony Pulis's last game. So, yeah, disappointing midweek, but not the worst of all scenarios, I think, is, is my kind of summary. And any thoughts on that sort of midweek result before we move on to the weekend's game? I, th- I think there's like a weird kind of mental thing you think about which is kind of going through the stages and like you know it's it's it feels a little bit like we're trying to turn the boat around you know we're trying to you know we were go, we're going in this huge ship and we were losing 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 there's all that losing momentum that we developed yeah. for sheffield wednesday yes it sometimes feels like oh if you draw then that's kind of an invitation to turn the corner to go full forward stop the it, rock kind of thing yeah it doesn't often happen but it's maybe we have the benefit right now of looking at that and to say, you know, this is this is a sign of that, a sign of turning the slider 
you know, we're turning the thermostat up to warm from freezing. Yes, yeah. No, I think that's fair. I think particularly in the context of the week now as a whole, we've seen an improvement in results. We're now seeing an improvement in um, in the in the sort of measurable sense, in the sort of point gain from those those. The, the, sorry, we've not seen an improvement in results. We've seen an improvement in performance without an improvement in results. We're now starting to see a, a measurable kind of point gain from that improvement in in uh, mm. in performances. Um, I mean, we can always play the what-if game and we can always look back at the season and look at all many situations. I mean, it's staggering to lose seven games on the bounce and think we didn't even pick up, like... We didn't even pick up, like, three draws. No. You know? Yeah. There's the expression that draws will kill you, but draws are looking at considerably favorable medicine during this time that we've been, you know, we've been lots at... uh, We've been we've been in a hospital with a serious serious cancer. Yeah, and uh, interestingly, kind of just to kind of put a statistical basis on that improvement of of results, um, we often quote uh, Peter Lohman, um, and w- we have the the sort of xG or chances created, um, expected goals, chances created for Moore's first four games in charge. It, it, he, uh, he he sort of equaled and beat um, Tony Pulis with his fourth game, and Tony Pulis was in charge for eleven games. So it is tangible that this is we are playing better. Um, mm. We are making things happen. I think certainly it's it's better to watch as a fan as well. I feel like we don't go into every game kind of timidly bearing our backside and hope and sort of expecting the worst. We are we're going to play a game of football and okay, (laughs) we might get turned over at times. Um, In a way, interestingly, the Huddersfield game reminded me of certain monk games where, particularly as we got to half time, where you're conscious that we're allowing a lot of things to happen, positive and negative. Like there's almost like a, there's almost a freewheeling kind of nature to the way that we're playing. Um, not in a carefree, jolly kind of way, but in a almost in a sort of devil may care. You know, we we know we are taking lots of risks. We know there are doors being left open, but mm-hmm. we are hoping we will. This will open up more chances for us as well. Like having a back and forth kind of game means there's at least a chance for us to go forth. Whereas if we just mm-hmm. sit back, that's all that happens. And. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. And I think it, the, there was a bit of that today at times as well. There was a lot of kind of knockabout energy to the to the game, um, particularly in the first half. And I think it made for a much more enjoyable game of football. Um, should, we, should we talk about the the the, the der, derby? <laughs> That's how I'm going to yeah. say Yeah. Yeah, let's get into it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the 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 changes um Hutch has apparently injured himself doing his bizarre scorpion kick clearance um so he he missed out entirely which meant Urigide started um and Patterson started the game sort of up top with Rhodes and Windass um at the expense of Harris so Harris dropped to the bench and interestingly Shaw was dropped altogether um we then had a classic bit of 
it's on every card. Uh, it's the center central sort of um, box on on Wednesday bingo. But um, you know the one that everybody gets is a gimme. But Westwood injured in the warm up uh, was a one of those good old Wednesday tropes we got to enjoy today. <laughs> um, so a late change, which meant Wildsmith ended up in goal. Um, what did you? I mean, I've I, I, I've now spoken an awful lot because of the, uh, the the wrap up of the Huddersfield game. So what do you want to lead off on the? On the first half, sure. Um, I, I thought there was a really, really huge miss for Barnsley on the two-minute mark. Yes. Which, um, so I want to ask you. Just fortunately, I made a lot of comments about this because it's something that irritated me a lot. And we will talk a lot about this Sheffield Wednesday game of football. Huh. Um, who, who did you your coverage? Who did you have on the commentary? Well, I was I, I was um, too legit to quit today, so I um, I had. Uh, the classic pairing uh, on on uh, I follow of O'Neill and Pearson. Was it O'Neill and Pearson? Yes. I'm really really envious <laughs> because on my feed I had the international feed based here in Canada. I watched on Zone, which is our kind of like Netflix of sports here. I believe in the states it was on ESPN Plus. I'm um, curious if they had the same people doing the commentary. I had Mr. Wall Porker. Oh wow! Okay. And I had Mr. Walpoker giving a giant tongue bath to Barnsley. Of course. And I made a note early on in the affair to say, how I hope we win for the sake of shutting him up with the piggy bastard. <laughs> I've, ty- I've typically found him historically, despite his allegiances, to be very impartial. But I was sick, sick to the, my stomach with the love affair about Barnsley and everything that Barnsley are doing. That's the weird... <sighs> That is the weird thing with the local football scene, though, isn't it? That the loving between, like, everyone hates us. Mm. <laughs> and by and large, the feeling's mutual, although I, I think we're a lot less bothered by Barnsley and Rotherham than they are by us. Yes. The, yeah. the mutual affection between pi- the pigs and Barnsley and the pigs and, and Rotherham is baffling. It's so weird. I mean, also, to be fair as well, it's a far greater kind of narrative to look at um, the story of a small kind of small kind of scrappy do like team performing exceptionally well and doing doing really, really good work. That is that is greater than the narrative of Wednesday failing. But there seems to be a bit of a delight in Wednesday failing. Yeah, there seems to be a bit more of a delight about a big club for this level doing very poorly. Barnsley have got the have got Bob Bradley, haven't they, involved? So there's also the money ball thing, which people are kind of Yes, that's there's something big by. that they kind of pick up on the narrative. And the interesting thing is they talked a lot about Daryl DK, the striker for Barnsley, who's right. an American uh, American striker who I maybe criticizingly said at one point, let me just look through my notes, Daryl Deakley, too small for the American sports, but stacked enough to like a formidable second-tier striking lump. Yes. I think so, but they were like, oh, there's going to be a lot of American viewers who are interested in, you know, how Daryl Deakley's looking. And I'm like, I didn't... That's that's some real hipster. That's some real hipster. No, 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 they're tuning in. They're tuning in for DK All over America, uh, TV sets are flickering on. For, for DK, DK o'clock. Yeah, 
So I basically said regarding Paul Walker, I said, who next? The Dingle version of James Shield to compare their football to the works of Shakespeare. And also we can work on the balls and the sloppy beach. <laughs> you know what they call getting head in Barnsley, Rich? <laughs> no. They call it getting Metrodome. <laughs> Do you get that reference? Because I know you're not a local man to, uh, to the area. <laughs> Very good. Very good. But that was a huge miss of the two-minute mark, so I, I don't think they kind of... I, uh, how did they kind of view that from your kind of commentary? Because it was kind of kind of underplayed, I seem to recall. It seemed miraculous that they couldn't get that one on target at the very it least. Was, it was Solbar, wasn't it, that had the chance? Is that right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. I thought, yeah, it was. I mean, it was, a, it was a decent chance, and I think there was a general acceptance that it was a, a bit of a let-off for us. Um but I, I think quite well. I think we had our fair share of of nearly moments as well in, in that. True, because I think the thing that kind of links. I, did you think? Can I just ask, just for a time wise perspective? Did you think there was anything after the second minute mark? Until I think the big thing to talk about the next step is the nineteenth minute mark with the Rhodes chance. Yeah, yeah. I, I sort of thought we were working opportunities in behind their back line, so it was it was mm-hmm. mainly, mainly kind of nearly moments, but. Um, But I mean, especially like you talked a lot about Windass, you know, thriving of playing off the shoulder. Yeah. Like we absolutely adored the concept of going with those two kind of being inside left and inside right for Rhodes and Windass. Like, I don't think I've seen a kind of a tactic that's more of a kind of long ball direct kind of notion of pinging it on for the run on of even for Rhodes and especially for Windass. Yeah. Then it effectively worked so much. So that again, with this tongue bath that Paul Walker was giving towards Barnsley, he talked a lot about the sweeper keeper nature that they were giving Collins. Yes, yeah. And I actually had to go back and look because I was like, we got a lot of we got a lot of joy from um, edge of the box calamities from the Barnsley keeper going back to the loss at Hillsborough with the one where we scored incredibly early through Windass because that's essentially what happened. Yeah. Well, I was curious if that was Collins, and it wasn't. It was Walton who was their right, number one. Okay. I there was it was interesting because there wasn't any great kind of narrative given to how good Collins is as a keeper. And um, again, I'm going to join you in, in being a a maths uh, a maths professor alongside Richard Miller at a different Gravy University here <laughs> to be a a maths expert. If you've got a goalkeeper whose squad number is forty, the odds are he's probably not very good. <laughs> So there was a lot about, just to kind of carry on that narrative, I've also, from my Norwich, I've said, Collins is fucking shit, Paul. Um, Paul Walker at one point said, oh, it's risky business being a Barnsley goalkeeper, which made me just imagine him, you know, doing the Tom Cruise things, and he slides in, but he falls (laughs) over and brains himself in the process. So outside of that kind of narrative... He actually used the shot where he got brain damage. (laughs) By the rest, is like just leave it in, leave it in. It's gold, <laughs> gold. We're not going to beat that. We'll use some CGI to well, kind of look over the fact that he's brain damaged for the rest of the film. I'm intrigued. Um, <laughs> I'm intrigued. So, this is this is fast forwarding, Luke. But so just on this line because it fits in. Mm-hmm. Um, what did what did he say about? For me, there was a clear pass back to that Barnsley goalkeeper at the 34th minute, and they didn't really make much fuss about it on the commentary. <laughs> But did they? Did that get any comment at all from? Uh... Not that I recall. No, I, I don't think it meets the narrative of how amazing yeah. Barnsley are. So, but anyway, I'm he clapped himself. 
the defender mm-hmm. flicked it back to him and he went down to catch it when Rhodes encroached and he got it in his hands. And I was like, well, surely that's the pass back now, isn't it? Mm. But do you also think that we're probably from that lens, probably in a situation now that basically pass back is so ingrained into our concept of football? Like for me and you of being men of a certain age, we, it, what was it kind of like late eighties, early nineties when that was brought in as a rule? Yes. And so we've probably seen, it's probably not been, I think it's probably in our kind of collective narrative, like memory, that we recall that there was a time when it was permissible, but that was kind of really when we were fully getting a grasp on what football is. That Football was a lot slower then, man alive. <laughs> People think time-wasting is... is bad now. Oh my goodness. Right. So, but that's a, that's a funny thing, isn't it? It's a bit like kind of the, you know, in basketball when they introduced, was it the 19 or 20 second? Yeah. Yeah. Because previously that's what people would do is just, I mean, I'd also like to say there was a really funny time when I, in the previous job, um, to kind of be someone to go in with morale and to kind of be close to some of my teammates and my then boss. Um, I agreed without any great experience to be on the basketball, like, (laughs) basketball team and i'm absolutely terrible at basketball and i remember once we got ahead and i even announced that i think what we should do is basically just keep the ball (laughs) (laughs) guys we've got a big lead two points here let's just sit on oh just stroke it around the bag (laughs) (laughs) so i i think to, to to talk about your point about the back pass is like I think it's probably a situation where referees are like, oh, I I shouldn't I shouldn't have to do anything in this situation or I'm scared to do anything in this situation. Yeah. Because it's not something I'm used to. It's a bit like foul throws, right? Yeah, and I wonder also it's like the assumption that the players wouldn't, you know, it's so kind of ingrained yes. wouldn't. And I I, yeah. I always I, I do, I mean, we've enjoyed um a couple of uh, defenders who who loved a need pass back. Um Darren Purse and um, Leuvens mm. enjoyed that so much. And it was always a pleasure to see the away fans or the home fans, if you're away, kind of lose their minds thinking it was a pass back. <laughs> but this was definitely like, he meant to pass it to him. He used his foot to pass it to him. I don't know. But I, I almost think if you kind of do that with confidence, um, right. the ref sort of assumes that oh, maybe there must be a mitigating circumstances because they are fairly free with okay oh that was a missed touch back to the goalkeeper then the keeper can catch it so the, 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 the rules are fairly liberal hmm. um, but this just looked to me like an absolute stone and I thought the goalkeeper knew because the last thing he wanted to do was drop down but it's like when pressured by Rhodes, he then did sort of drop down and, and put his hands on it. But I think he was expecting a whistle to be blown. And somehow it ended up being a throw-in to them, which I just cannot understand. Mm. <laughs> like, he went down to catch it, Rhodes kicked it into his hands, or kicked it out, or kicked it, like, as it bounced off his hands. And anyway, yeah. It went so... Anyway, but it doesn't matter. It, it, <laughs> it just was a weird <laughs> moment. Stood out. I'm glad you picked that up because it's, it's, it's something that wasn't on my radar in my notes whatsoever. I want to go back and talk about the 19th minute mark, though, because mm. that was a big moment with the road chance. Yes. So I think it was Burner. Did Burner kind of ping it long? I think so, yeah. And that was lovely. And then it was brilliant bounce in the angle all day. You know, they're kind of banking on this mentality. I don't know if are they... Are, <laughs> there's a question for you. You're 
more of a student of the game than I am. Well, Barnsley playing a um, high line in this situation. It felt ludicrously, like it felt needlessly risky, the, the, the height of their line. I don't think it was necessarily that high, but I think the pace and height comparison meant that they were, it was a losing battle all game. Like Rhodes looked an incredible target man today. But I think it's mainly because they had such a, they've got, maybe this is a money ball thing, but their defenders are not very big. And they look, yeah. particularly the second half, that Sivok guy, or Sibok, he looked very, very slight for a defender. He mm. um, he got, I mean, he got a lot of very generous calls when Windass was one-on-one with him. And I, I think on another day, he makes two huge errors that lead to goals. Because... Yeah. He was fairly tackled, I thought, both times. Um, he just was too weak. And uh, and the ref just gave it to him. I maybe felt sorry for him because the ref was built and he just saw this little, like, snivelling wreck at the back and just kind of gave it, you know, threw pity on him. Uh, like like Willie the Wimp, if anybody remembers that book. The little, Do you think the little wimpy monkey. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Do you remember that book? I don't know. I've no oh. idea what you're talking about. You've, it's a bit like a, 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 my type, sort of classic, um, classic kids book. Okay. So do you think that's an interesting comparison just to kind of go back to Huddersfield? It's kind of, I was lamenting, I, I don't want to talk anymore about Huddersfield, but I was lamenting about what an atrociously shit side Huddersfield yeah. looked. Yeah. But, you know, unfortunately, you know, there seems to be some very basics of football, which sometimes are very difficult to kind of argue against, which is, if you have a situation, you have the players to bring on a couple of massive units that Huddersfield had. They had so they had the Saar yeah. that you talked about and Sonogo. Yes, Sonogo as well. yeah. big boy. And they come on and they cause cause some real havoc. Yeah, you know, we've seen that. But um, yeah, interesting that like Barnsley don't seem to subscribe to that or don't even have one of those on the bench they can they can kind of bring on. I think they talked about at the end of this game, mentioning that all the big players were up for Barnsley, but it it didn't. It no, seemed like not. aerially, aerially something that we would win a lot of the time today. Yeah, really. But I want to talk about nineteenth minute mark. Sorry, just to finish yeah, off my point. It, please. So Burner pinged it over to Rhodes again. They're playing that high line. They're allowing the situation for uh, a goalkeeper who I don't think is very good in Collins <laughs> yes. to be coming and playing the sweeper keeper thing. And it looked like something we could just capitalize on all day. I'm like. There yeah. must be a moment, even when we were ahead, thinking the second half, they've got to do something to correct this, because like we could just do this all day. Do you remember we played so in the UPR last season? And it like got mm. we scored two or three by half time, and you're like, surely he's gonna go, do you know what? This is mad. But he just kept I don't know, it's really odd when it's so strange to see a team. I know there's always like risk and reward, but uh, it was baffling just to see them continuously give us all those opportunities over the top. And yeah, we should have scored this one. Rhodes. We should have scored that one completely. So Collins completely fluffed his lines. And then I'm not sure exactly what Rhodes' effort. I think Rhodes was surprised in that situation, which he, he was. Wouldn't... Yeah. Because he can't, I think he kind of tried to sort of shove it with the outside of his foot um, when he maybe had a bit more time than he thought. Mm. Um, but he, he sort of yeah he put, he put it wide, agonisingly wide, because it was one of those where, from certain angles, it looked like it was it had gone in, and you couldn't quite tell because it bounced around the back. But he he hit the uh, the sort of supporting structure behind the goal uh, with it, and um, 
rippled the back of the net, but from the wrong side, unfortunately. I know. I had a moment of I couldn't believe that it hadn't gone in. Yeah, yeah. That was real if we were there at the game. I was going to say, if we, that was real if we were there at the game, Rich, we'd both probably just have our mouth agape yeah. and our yeah. hands. And we'd probably just share that moment of just, you know, <laughs> looking like looking like the power had been turned off on both of us. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah. I thought outside of that moment, the best, our best sort of, like, opportunities, half chances, the moments that could lead to moments, the moments that could lead to, to shots on goal, fell to reach and he didn't quite do enough. He had two or three good chances to put the ball in and um, mostly fed by Windass. I thought Windass was really like making a lot of things happen today. Um, mm-hmm. and he, he put that one across where he missed Patterson and we're all, we were almost sort of hoping somebody would get it on the far post. Um, yeah. There was another one where he sort of just hit the first man. Um, so it just—it was just a little bit frustrating that he couldn't have done better. We know he's got the quality, um, and he could have really sort of helped us turn the screw in terms of those chances. Um, we did have a few. I, I mentioned that we kind of rode our luck a little bit. Um, and <laughs> what, what did you make of Wildsmith's uh, sort of twenty-six minute mark? Wildsmith's. Um, Defending from the corner, did you did you see that? Did you make a note about that? Was that the, the one that goal? Oh, the disallowed goal. I don't recall that one. You're gonna have to remind me, I'm uh, afraid. Well, it just looked like a little lollipop pass to him <laughs> from the from the corner. Like no power on it, no pe- no um great curve or spin, and it just looked like he was gonna go whoop and catch it. Uh, and instead, he sort of fingertipped it out into a crowd of players. And they put it in the back of the net, but the ref blew the whistle, thankfully. But it's the mm. sort of goalkeeping that really puts you on your metal as a defender. Because <laughs> you're like, we cannot was, rely on that. Was that the same one I'm thinking of, where there was one where it was a really tight angle and it was a shot, and then Wildsmith just uh, you know, gave a little volleyball flick up? That was another one. There was one of those as that well. That was another yeah. one. I thought that was a different situation. I think that was yeah. start of the second half when... Um, oh, dear, I've forgotten his name now. Oh, was he on all the time? Britain. I didn't notice him in the first half, Britain, but he he came to life second half. Um, he he sort of whistled one in at the near post and, and Wildsmith, yeah, palmed it backwards over his shoulder sort of nonchalantly. And uh, luckily it sort of had enough pace on the initial ball that it went out of play rather than dropping kindly for somebody. Hmm. I thought you were going to talk about, do you remember when Wildsmith went down in the first half? Yeah, that was um, that was a bit of a heart and mouth moment. It was, especially since I don't know. I was wondering if we we're going to go see. I, do I had a brief? I I wondered whether this was going to be something. I I'm going to say. I thought like for a second. I thought oh, it'll be quite exciting to see Luke Jackson <laughs> and see if he's any good. And I was like, they're thinking. Uh, I don't know if I really want to see Luke Jackson. <laughs> I don't know if I want to see more of the academy goalkeepers that we've kind of developed so far. That. Haven't been yeah. as good as Richard O'Donnell, who we <laughs> yeah alongside. You, you've seen the botched finished article. Now, what, now wait till you see what a half baked one looks like. Do you remember Aaron Jameson? I do vaguely remember Aaron, Aaron Jameson. He was he was okay, wasn't he? We had some keepers that uh, Adam Davis was another one that didn't really get going with us and has had a good good career since. Mm. Um, there's been a couple of players like that. Um, I remember chatting to Aaron Jameson on in the Leadnil. 
there you and go. I was like, oh, you were you were all right. Are you going on loan, Aaron? And he was like, how's the plan? Oh, <laughs> great conversations with footballers. Oh, Volume can... 29. <laughs> I can't wait for his under the cosh where he tells his side of that. He was like this grotty, this <laughs> grotty <laughs> oik, Wednesday oik, really came up and cock-blocked me at the time. <laughs> And I was having, a, I had a lollipop in my mouth, but it really took the taste. Do you remember that when people go out to nightclubs and just have lollipops all the time? That's weird. I mean, nightclubs in general feels quite weird at this stage, but the lollipop element was definitely um, a particular addition to the weirdness. You just feel that like there's a lot of fumes from the dirt on the floor. <laughs> I don't know. I used to go to the, uh, I used to go to the underaged rock club. <laughs> all right um corporation you've been a corp a few times haven't you yeah when yeah you've come down just the how do you get the level of dirt on the floors <laughs> and how do you how what are they doing for cleaning it they, it's, just, it's just continually filth isn't the rumor that's what foam nights are for is that the rumor <laughs> <laughs> that's very good instead of cleaning the floor you have a foam night every every month and uh mm. <laughs> People sort of dance the grime away. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> a good, well, a good... swallowing it and whatever else. Oh man! <laughs> anyway, when Wildsmith was down on the floor, I feel like I've, I haven't made this comment before about Wildsmith's appearance, but I feel like I have to right now, Rich. Okay. Wildsmith looks like a Game of Thrones chap who is yeah. thrust into manhood and has to defend the wall, but yeah. would rather be wanking in his room. <laughs> And then a bit later, Rich, I said, I made the comment about Wildsmith and basically noticed that Barnsley's team is basically a smorgasbord of northern oikish faces. It's nice to see a reflection, a collection of our own reflection in football and the host of people who would gladly stab Sean Bean repeatedly with artful small daggers. <laughs> Maybe, I mean, that's what Moneyball's all about. If you've seen the film with Bradley Pitts. Um... <laughs> It's all about like not going for the handsome six foot blonde guy and going for the ugly mug that actually does a job. So maybe that's what that Moneyball is like a, a prerequisite is to be to be a bit of a an oik and an orc. There's a host of them, isn't it? It's like uh, it's like watching it's like watching Misfits or something. <laughs> Um, I also thought it was hilarious on my commentary. Was, I'm getting very I'm getting very wistful and reminiscent of some very kind of poor kind of second and third tier derbies between Sheffield Wednesday and uh, Barnsley. <laughs> so they mentioned um, Paul Walker, obviously, with his recollection and knowledge and time working for, you know, Radio Sheffield, mm. and, uh, you know, covering local football. It's like Darren Moore is like signed for, you know, played for three years for Barnsley, signed by Simon Davey. Do you remember? Do you remember him? Do you remember the, the smarmy twat that was Simon Davey? Yes. Yeah. He was very smarmy, wasn't he? He was. Yeah. Weird. Anyway. Did you also notice as well? Just I'll I'll finish off with my piffy comments, and you can come back and uh, <laughs> give us some interesting recollections of this game of football that are tactically and interestingly astute. Um, is that the owner's face in the dugout at Barnsley? Did you see that? I didn't see that. No. In I couldn't. I was trying to find this because I tried to search face in the dugout, and then at Barnsley, and then all I got was a series of articles about oh, there's a new face in the dugout. I was like, of course. There's literally a photo of someone who's an elder gentleman, and I think right. he's someone. 
I'm reckoning this guy must be one of the chairman or one of the board who probably is making some piffy joke about how he manages the team or I'm there with you, something. It's just a printout that they've stuck up in one of the dugouts. That's crap because what you really need to do for a chairman is he needs to have his name across (laughs) the whole of the biggest stand. That's the cool thing to do, isn't it? So we can judge Barnsley for their crap printout because yeah we're we're good on that on that front um <laughs> we really need why didn't why didn't chance siri just go ahead and then just with the seats make a pixelated picture of his face in, on the cop <laughs> you know him having a i think what about him, having a, him having a cheeky fag <laughs> give a little thumbs up or something what about if he just put like a throne at the top and the middle of the north stand and then just had arrows. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so glad we won today. I'm so glad we won today. I was wondering about whether I was going to come on and do this podcast and then just be just be talking to Rich the entire being like, you know, Rich, I could have just been playing into the breach all weekend. I could have been doing other things with my life. Oh, dear. But you got to see a win. Mm. So we haven't even, we've been talking so much crap, we haven't even got on to the, the goal. The well, first goal. just before the goal, Tom Lee's also had a moment uh, defensively <laughs> um, where he, he completely whiffed uh, his clearance and uh, thankfully Wildsmith did did come out. He's playing a wonderful sort of sweeper-keeper role, Luke. It's like a really cool, clever... <laughs> Thing that people do is like they're not just a goalie they come out and kick it sometimes um so he was doing that and it was very sort of cool and, and a bit sexual um <laughs> but yes a goal we then scored <laughs> um clever little bit of vision uh and execution from windass he sort of flicked it through a couple of oncoming barnsley players um into the path of Bannon and, and Bannon sort of took it on the on the half volley and put in an absolutely spectacular cross. Um and it was really nice having those extra angles today because this was a this was a, a looker of a goal, I think, uh in terms of the, the 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 sort of skill and vision involved. And it was nice to see Rhodes sort of touch his man in the back, then run round him and, and win the header. Um and Rhodes did the job. He got the goal he got the header on target that's half the battle and yeah. uh that wonderful goalkeeper that uh, paul walker was talking about just sort of fisted it into the roof of his own <laughs> <laughs> an absolute howler from such a wonderful sweeper keeper um he, he he needed a broom to uh to save that one and he didn't have i one. think he i think he excels on the edge of the area as opposed to yes, the closer he gets to the goal, the worse it, the the, the more it falls apart. Mm. Um, I was worried again that we'd scored too early because I, I I was starting to think that the way that we would win a game eventually would be basically scoring so late that we couldn't mess it up again. <laughs> and I know, like, I know, and I've been fourth minute would be when we'd need to get our go ahead. I was a bit lamenting midweek when hearing about Darren Mortar. I know it's managerial talk, and I know it's sometimes as fans we put so much emphasis on this because it's the only thing we actually see right yeah but i was a bit frustrated with more saying midweeks like we got the goal i'm like no one goal doesn't count sometimes two goals doesn't count as well for sheffield wednesday but certainly 
certainly put yourself at a better probability of winning the game if you score more than one goal, you know? <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, for a lot of football, the interesting things, I don't know who said this, I think it's even my dad or Mel's brother told me this, but basically saying, you know, football is typically a game of three goals. So whoever scores the second one wins the game. Okay. So it, it's kind of statistically like a lot of games are typically one kind of like a two one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a one goal margin, but typically, typically it's around the three goal kind of marker, really. No, that, that, that does, um, that 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 bears out that that works yeah definitely as a mm-hmm. no I think you're right and I think there's there been different manners of collapse there's been different manners of reaching that half time leading at half time um, we've also had going in the lead in the first half and, and losing the lead before half time you know like we've had variations on on this theme but we've invariably done. And well enough to go ahead in quite a few games uh, this year. Um, it's just then what happens next, and and the worst of all options for us is is to act like that's game over and try and sit back because we are just simply not good enough. We don't have uh, we don't have the defensive fortitude to do that, um, and we don't have a good good goalkeepers. We've got a selection of bad goalkeepers. Uh, middling to bad. I'll, I'll be f- generous to Westwood and call him middling at this stage in his career. Um, mm. But, you know, middling goalkeeper, bad centre-backs, either two or three of them, um, generally full-backs or wing-backs that aren't playing in their natural positions, and a midfield that's not particularly good at defending either um, means that we cannot sit back on leads. So we need to push and get a second goal or at least keep playing to the same level. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, yeah, at half time, you're just looking back thinking, you know, I think we rode our luck a bit at times, but we looked dangerous on the break. And how many times have we been able to say that in games this season? <laughs> I know. And I think that. A threat. You know, Sorry. No, totally. I, I completely agree with you about carrying a threat. And I, but I do want to say that, like, I think largely, especially after the first half, I thought a few moments and hiccups aside, I mean, this was, this was a game where. I don't quite know when I saw the stat, but I think it was probably deep into the second half. I don't know if it was prior to the Barnsley goal or after the Barnsley goal, where it's like, Barnsley had three shots on target, Wednesday had two shots on target. Mm. And I'm like, I can't remember those shots on target from Barnsley. No. Like, it never felt that they fashioned anything that was greatly, greatly troublesome. You know, I felt that, you know, there was a lot of work in front of Wild Smith that Lise Berner and Erihide had to do. You do know that that means it's a classic, and I'll, I'll wait for the official confirmation from their manager. But it's a classic. Um, the goalkeeper didn't have anything to do apart from the two goals <laughs> type type comment from a manager. It's uh, that's when that tends to come when you've only had a couple of shots on target and you've scored with them both. But their um, goalkeeper did have plenty to do because he, he did. In he situation did. If he'd done better to, those things, then he probably wouldn't have been on the losing side. For him to spurn it out for throw-ins every time. This is this is the class of the moneyball model. <laughs> you know, you can just uh, you can just put the pressure on your goalkeeper to concede corners and throw-ins from these opportunities. <laughs> um, we got to maybe. That, maybe that's a good. Sorry, maybe they're like us and they don't think you need to spend any money on goalkeepers. Just get some. Get some. Get some northern lanky bag of shite from the academy. <laughs> oh dear! But I, yeah, I mean, those moments aside, I, I thought well, Wild Smith did pretty well with what he was given. Really, he did all right. And actually, I thought second half 
kind of came into his own a bit. I thought mm. um, there was a couple of sort of not good efforts, but like sharp efforts that he he got the he caught the ball and held on. And those moments just it's reassuring. It lets everybody calm down. It buys some time. Um, it, it, those things can't be understated in how important they are in the in the run of things. And um, and I thought, yeah, I thought those moments where he was called upon, he, he did a good job and um, obviously did enough time wasting to earn himself a yellow card as well, which uh, I I always love to see when we're in a position where we can time waste. Have at it. Everybody does it to us. Um, this, this is the game we play. We might as well do it properly. <laughs> they they made three subs at half time. I hadn't really noticed many of their players. Um, they had Solbauer, who, who missed a good chance, um, came off for another another uh, centre back in in Civic, um, and Frazier, I think, or Frazier was the 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 sort of the one that maybe had the most impact out of those three that went off. I heard his name a few times. I didn't really see him do much, but um, well, we we talked about blowjobs, but we were just tossing a salad, weren't we, Frazier? <laughs> Not even giving any scrambled eggs. So, oh my. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask something from the first half, Rich? Um, did you think those? Did you think the Tom? Did you think the the burner yellow was pretty soft? Very, yes. The ref was very card happy for us today. I must say, I thought like two of those, that and the Patterson one at the death, nothing in them. Well, it it was weird because, yeah, I I felt like every fifty fifty. Mm he went for them and they had loads of soft free kicks and at both ends. Cause I, I that's particularly second half that there was a couple that got called against Windass that I just thought were, well, just nothing really. Um, he was just stronger. He was stronger. He was a better athlete than the guy he was playing against and he got punished for it. But you have to say on the face of it, the ref did as a favor because a goal was disallowed for, nothing that I could see. I mean, I watched the replay a couple of times and could not see anything worth disallowing a goal for. And also Tom Lee's bundled over um, DK. uh, And I thought that could easily have been a penalty. That was Mm. first half as well, where he's backing into him. I don't know if you remember that, but they both sort of collapsed together. And generally they are on the side of um, giving that to the attacker in those (laughs) situations. So I thought, Weirdly, like he favoured us in the biggest decisions, uh, but then everything else went against us, and and yeah, almost all of our yellows were were, were pretty harsh. Right, I guess there's a funny moment as well. I mean, we can talk about this like because it's a very early kind of first half. Um, there was a moment where a Bannon hauled Dyke to the ground, and that was some real WWE like suspension of disbelief. It was the real kind of like <laughs> the scrappy little guy is like. You know, picking a guy up for a pile driver. <laughs> you know, that was, yeah, I, that, that, was that was uh that was rather enjoyable. Wasn't that was that second half? That was second half because yeah. they were attacking. Yeah, they were attacking the end. We scored. Yeah, and um, the Pontefract cake end, whatever it is. Um, <laughs> but um, that I, I guess that could have been given as a yellow because that was pretty. It was pretty cynical. Banner just, just, just kind of. Well, just kind of judo, judo thrown him to the ground. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and when it's you, funny that you have football. You, football you, and, you get to learn that the smaller man can actually beat the bigger man. You're using his strength and aggression against him. <laughs> David can beat Goliath. 
that's you know the the nature of him you know dk looking for a foul there being like sure i'll go ahead yeah yeah i'll be a, an active participant and you <laughs> you chucking me over your shoulder barry I mean, the WWE nature of it was really given away when uh, when Bannon did a leg drop afterwards. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think it's a bit that he went to the bench and got like uh, got a chair to come back to, to bash <laughs> over his head. That was a big bit. <laughs> oh, and the bit where he got up onto uh, he climbed uh, he climbed Darren Moore like a like a post in the corner. <laughs> 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 Ah, oh, two beautiful images yeah. for you there, folks. Uh, that's um, Barry Bannon in a wrestling singlet and also in the kind of judo <laughs> gi or pyjamas. Uh, just lovely things to think about. What would be Bar- Barry Bannon's wrestling name, Rich? <laughs> oh, dear. I mean, Wee Baz is quite good as a wrestling name. It does kind of work. But um, the Jockinator. The Jockinator. Love it. Um <laughs> right. Did, there wasn't much. I mean, they made their changes, Barnsley. It didn't really mm. change the game very much, did it? It did not. No, that was, as you said, three halftime substitutions. Yeah. I mean, they, they took off a Palmer of their own, which they is Ramal Palmer. But also, do you think that kind of looked weird? Because I think they had some shirt sponsorship that was Palmer at the top of there. Did you see that? Just oh, below yes, the collar yes, on the back? Yes, yeah. So I remember when looking at Morris and it was Palmer Morris. Right, so all yes. players were... So his his would be Palmer Palmer, which would be a bit strange. Yes, yeah, weird. Um, I I thought that they I thought they had a Harris as well, but it's not. I, I, um, so that yeah, the, the Palmer Palmer thing was. I always find it weird when there's two players with the same name in a game. Um, it's always confusing on some mm-hmm. level. Um, but the, I think the first moment of note really was was the goal second half. I'd definitely say so. I think there was a, there was an offside on Windass in the 49th minute, but that was pretty yeah. that was pretty slim. So yeah, who do you who? So let's let's talk us through talk us through the second goal. I didn't recollect who played the pass for Windass because that was that was beautiful. Um, it, it, it was Palmer that sort of battled and um, yeah, and, and it, it, um, got the ball to to, to Windass. Um, yeah, Palmer Palmer got in there. Um, Really good. Nice to see that kind of desire to get on to things. And then Windass was just all game, just ready to break away and make things happen. Did, mm. Just in terms of the goal and incidents, I can't remember now whether it happened before or after the goal, but Windass had a similar chance to Rhodes where where he kind of followed the ball over the top and, and uh, <coughs> took a shot. His was not as close as Rhodes's. It was a harder effort. But do you remember that where he sort of took it on the volley and hit it wide? It's sort of one on one with the keeper, edge of the box sort of thing. No. Oh, I think I do because that was the one where he put it wide, and I was there saying, I think that might have been us. Was that the 69th minute from the flick on from Patterson? It after it might have been, yeah. I think so. Okay, I can cover that later if you want to. Okay, fair out. enough. Yeah, cool. Um, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So that the second goal was great. I mean, Rhodes wins another header. Palmer sort of battled for the the, the ball that dropped down um, and got it to to Windass, and, and Windass raced in behind. Rhodes did really really well to keep up with him, and mm. um, Windass, who I keep reading doesn't ever get an assist or doesn't look up and doesn't pass. Um, played a really good pass to Jordan Rhodes, who who finished off neatly. Um, really good, effective football. It was lovely to see and lovely to get that 
sort of second goal and a key moment as well, sort of 10 minutes into the second half is one of those kind of moments that tends to be sort of naturally a flex point in a game and uh, great mm. to go, go further ahead at that moment. Well, we kind of did both of that, didn't we? Because, I mean, we scored in the 36th minute and then the 53rd. Yeah. They're, both, they're both either side of half-time. They're both, yeah. they're both pretty crushing blows to take. Definitely, definitely. To concede as the football team. Um, I, yeah, I loved it. It was just brilliant. I, great pace from Windass, just everything we wanted to do. Brought it in, looked in business. I thought he was going to try and lash it in at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I imagine he probably would have. To be honest with you, but yeah. like just just the composure and the vision to just see Rhodes and as he said, the great work from Rhodes to get into that p- position, strokes it across, and Rhodes is there to calmly just stroke it home. Um, yeah, Windass, Windass, who midweek said, "Shut your fucking mouth," <laughs> or the other week said, "Shut your fucking mouth." Actually said, actually said, open open your mouth, Jordan. Here comes a choo-choo. Get this in your mouth. Beautiful. Find him a spoonful of goals. Spoonful of goals. Exactly. <laughs> Beautiful. This is this is just magic. I mean, this is we don't know. We've never known. And these are the, these are the last days of us knowing about Jordan Rhodes. <laughs> but I mean, you know, we've talked about like, you know, this is playing for a contract, not sure where his future is. It's probably definitely I I imagine like 90% of its, you know, chances it's not going to be at Sheffield Wednesday because, you know, he will have yeah. other admirers. He'll be able to go get himself a championship contract somewhere else. But again, we're going to that question of like, we, we just don't know. Like, it, it, did we, if we played, did we play Jordan Rhodes enough? Did we play to his strengths? But we've had two instances here today. Uh, just given it him on a plate and he's just lapped it up. That was a really, really great header for the first yeah. goal. I mean... Great pace on that cross from Bannon, just to kind of flick back to that first goal we talked about earlier. You know, so much power on it that really, like you said, really Rose just needs to kind of get ahead and get it on target, really. But I mean, he was still there to do it. And then absolutely, Aaron had the position position prowess that he has to get into a position from, you know, lovely service from Josh Windass. I would always say that has been probably Rhodes's, it's probably any goal scorer's, trait um their 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 unique ability is that they hit the target and i know that sounds stupid but trying to sort of knock uh, knock everything into the top corner and curl things in and whatever else Mm. um you make it more difficult for the goalkeepers uh, yeah but you make it harder for yourself like you increase the difficulty of the shot that you're taking on and actually Goalkeepers are not particularly good at this level. They're not good at League One. That you know, it gets worse. Um, maybe in the Premier League, I think that's sometimes where there's a ceiling. Is probably the guys that can consistently pick parts of the target are the people that then succeed in the Premier League. Um, but hitting the target will be, will mean you're a good striker at this level. And Jordan Rhodes, a facet, a feature of his game, has always been. I'll make sure it hits the target. I'll ask the question. And far too much of his Wednesday career, it's looked like he's trying to do too much. He's trying to flick the header into the far corner or find a spot with his shot, and it ends up backfiring. And it feels like he's playing a natural game right now. And he's just like the the first goal is. It was straight down the middle of the goal. You know, you it's 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 a good header. He needs to win it. He gets good pace on it. 
But also the goalkeeper should save it. But goalkeeper's not very good at this level, <laughs> by and large. It's surprising to get a goalkeeper that's that, that, that will come out on top in that situation. So getting it on target is half the job. And somebody like Windass often... Windass is quicker, he's stronger, he's got all these other things. But in that situation, what he's trying to do is score like a wonder goal all the time. And he's mm. just as likely to sky it and hit, you know, hit the top of the stand as he is to hit the back of the net. And if you do just take, actually, let's take a little bit of pace off it and just hit it on target, that will do the job a lot of the time. So I don't know. Yeah, it's a mystery. I think it's a lot of things. He's getting a run of games. He's got a manager that believes in him. I think mm-hmm. that is important. Darren Moore sort of made it very clear as he came, as he took on the job, that he thinks Jordan Rhodes should be playing and should be and doesn't see why he's not playing and getting goals because he's done that everywhere. Um, so having somebody that believes in you, has a confidence in you, that helps, surely. Um, the fact that there's a motivating factor of I need to show that I'm still a, a, a good striker at this level, otherwise my next contract... You know, he legitimately, Jordan Rose could be looking at like half his income. And, and I know half his income is staggering for most people still, but you get used to what you live on. And if he's been on whatever, you know, 30, 40 grand a week, it's very, very likely he's not going to be anywhere near that this next time. But it's certainly, if he's mm. able to get a championship club, will be a huge nosedive. So that's a massive motivating factor as well. You know, my lifestyle depends on playing and getting some goals now. Um, but I, I just can't, I almost can't believe how well this team is playing as well. That's another f- factor in this. And I think Darren Moore has to take some of the praise for that. Uh, you know, much as we criticise in midweek for those bizarre, the bizarre volume of substitutions, mm. we're making chances and more chances means more goals. And I think Jordan Rhodes has got his running the team because <clears throat> I can't remember the game where Patterson just missed chance after chance after chance. Yeah. And as Darren yeah. Moore, you've got to be looking at that and going like, well, we're making the chances. If we keep doing that, dropping another guy who gets, who scores more chances, we'll get more goals. We'll get more, we'll win more games. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, <laughs> how long it lasts, how, why and how and why it happens um, it would be fascinating to find out all the bit, you know, the bits and bobs around it. But I think, as at the moment, we've just got to enjoy the fact that it's working and we've got something that works. And that has felt for two thirds of this season like an impossibility that we would be sit, sitting here talking about that. And so, um, yeah, the the magical um, magical aspect of of end of contract players it, it cannot be it cannot be a underestimated really because we we've seen mm-hmm. it before <laughs> so many times um we didn't make subs today we did we did tweak things um so the natural one and it was a it was an easy sort of change but basically patterson dropped in to become a third part of the midfield um mm. and windass and Rhodes played more like a, a standard front two pairing um and that made us more solid uh it meant Bad clearances was we had a chance to kind of stop them being so bad because Patterson was deeper and therefore could win headers in our half if needed. Um, so that was that was a good change. Um, 
And I don't think there wasn't a noticeable drop off in terms of energy levels. I don't think we were killing ourselves to keep up today in any any way. I think um, it, it was a very kind of manageable pace of game for us. And um, even Windass, I mean, he came off towards the end, but I don't think he was looking sluggish or slow. He, he still had a spring in his step right till the end. Um, so it's it's very weird looking at this team doing things that we didn't really know that they were capable of and a bit of that is confidence and mm-hmm. um, a game plan that makes some sense. Um, we did still have our usual <laughs> scary moments at the end. Do, do you have anything before we sort of get to that final <laughs> run of, uh, of, of uh, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I couldn't bear myself i'm you're changing me rich you're making me a better man thank you um i couldn't bear to write the actual words down for the risk of putting the mockers on okay but what i actually wrote was actually did a little code for this so we're at btgl monotony and that was it sorry this sounds a bit beautiful downtown bramall lane i apologize for that but anyway beautiful two goal lead monotony Mm. like there was a big patch until we get to the, the Barnsley goal, where yeah. nothing happened. And yeah. it was great. Yeah. I loved it. I really loved it. I loved it. Um, but after then as well, I want to say surprise Chaplin came on as a 40 already started. I think I naturally kind of think of Connor Chaplin <laughs> as one of the... Yeah. Uh, they've got a Corley, they've got a they've got two Callums, they've got a Connor. There's a lot of Cs in this Barnsley team. Uh, anyway, yeah. so I naturally think of a first-team player for Barnsley. Woodrow goes off. Totally anonymous today. Yes. Woodrow barely was on the pitch. Like, I didn't see anything of him. And obviously, I didn't fit in with my narrative because the narrative was, you know, the half of America tuning in for Daryl DK. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I thought when they mentioned Woodrow, I thought, oh, is Woodrow coming on? Because he's one of the few Barnsley players I know. (laughs) And then they're like, oh, no, Woodrow's going off. And I thought, oh, right. Yeah, I did. Yeah, he did. He had so little impact that I didn't. Yeah. He was there. I think there was a free kick where um, Windass did a lovely... Ac- what, did he have the acrobatic clearance from a Barnsley free? Was that Windass? Do you remember that? It was Patterson. That was Patterson. That was lovely. I enjoyed it was that. great. And then I think we got into the 69th minute mark. So that surprise Windass put it wide from the flick on. I think yeah. was that from Patterson as well? I think or so. I could be wrong. And then I was like, I could have sworn that went off Collins. Oh, maybe. But then nothing was made of it, and nothing came on the commentary. There was no, like, oh, there's a claim for that. I, I couldn't work out. And I I think there's also the footage was a bit sunny. It was a bit difficult to make out for oh, me yeah, anyway. Yeah. Had a great moment on the 75th minute where I said I can hear the disappointment in Walker's voice when Moet strikes the ball casually, plays it into Burner very, <laughs> very casually. <laughs> could hear the deflation in his voice. But then he got really excited then because that's when we can't we can't have nice things like a two goal lead can we Rich? No, no. Uh we also cannot defend throw-ins. No. Is that the no. piece that we could we seem like unable to do anything about? Mm. It's weird. It's like we get everybody lined up for the bit at the front and then forget that there's a whole pitch mm. beyond them. So if you manage to shift it at all from our beautiful chocolate box creation around the throw-in taker, <laughs> <laughs> this intricate clockwork mouse of a of a 
of the set piece routine that we have in mind. If you move three feet from there, we have literally no defenders at all and we're just w- waiting for you to score. It's bizarre. Um, flick on from the throw-in. Morris just had the freedom of the city from the bouncing ball. Um, it was a sweet volley. I think he got a good connection on it at kind of an awkward angle, but really helped by a deflection off Tom Lees' chest, which... That was a huge, huge yeah. deflection. It meant everybody was just watching it go in, basically. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, that then we have a kind of rattled, worried tail end of the game rather than a fairly relaxed one that, that could have been. Um, we start immediately giving away our, our textbook silly free kicks around the box. The worst of those, I think, maybe was Urugide's, where, like... Uh, Deke was just running out of play and Uruguide seemed to sort of fall over and grab his leg <laughs> like he thought it was a rugby match and he had to stop him getting over the try line <laughs> um, I did love I lolled theatrically at the moment where I think there was a bit of a tussle with DK and he fell over and landed on his bum and then cannoned it off his arse after a throw in <laughs> that was great, I love that <laughs> You oh, apologize for half of the United States of America. That was disappointing watching Chiboy, Chiboy DK. Maybe we should have like a sort of um, yeah, Nor- Norway versus England-esque. Joseph Biden, your boy took the hell of a meat. <laughs> <laughs> Kamala Harris. Tom <laughs> uh, Lee's just beat him for a header. Where did five minutes time added on come from, Luke? I don't know. I don't. I mean, they made a lot of substitutions, to be fair. But then the, the first one happened. The, th- the first three happened at half time. They made one substitution in the second half. Mm. It was two subs, and Pelupesi went down for treatment on a kind of head injury. That's it in the second half that I can remember. We did do time wasting. I suppose he gave out a card or two for time wasting. He did. It's extraordinary. Also, like to add that the referee was uh, Tim Robinson. Yeah, not the not the great comedian comedian on SNL, and I think you should leave with Tim the, Robinson. Swell, the swell referee, Tim Robinson, who has been pretty awful for us before. Right, would you like to say he is a not particularly good referee, so that means he is a championship referee. Yeah, well, he. Yeah. I mean, he was bad today. There's no two ways about it. Um, even when they're bad in our favour, it's still bad. <laughs> you know, I would be absolutely fuming if I was uh, Barnsley today because I, I don't know what he was doing first half. Um, but, but it uh, sounded, it sounded also like, especially from like you know the narrative of the greatly, you know the the best team to play the game, Barnsley FC. You know, and Valerian Ismail, who's uh, who's the best manager ever. Yes. Since, uh, since since you know someone great, I can't even have the energy to kind of go ahead with that joke. Um, but he was vying for like numerous yellow cards. Yeah, and yeah. they basically like Paul Walker was like his loudest voice here, you know, and he's oh, really upset about that he one. He's such a loud voice, and oh, he's so attractive, and his penis is clearly <laughs> trousers. Well, he was enjoying it because it was in his mouth. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Walker did no apparently. So when Andre Green came on, what did you think about Green coming on? Because that was 
That was a nice little substitution. I right? thought it was a good sub at a good time, which uh, I was really pleased mm. about. I thought, I didn't think Windass had waned, but I thought, nice to have another kind of threat in there. I think Green is big enough that um, he's no slouch sort of header-wise. You know, he's not. He's, the game's not going to pass him by if it goes kind of long. Mm. Um, and just that pace in behind is really important. It's If they'd been able to because they'd kept a high line all game, but if they'd been able to just sort of stand in our half and, and bombard us, we know we're not good enough to stand up to that. So the fact that we've got Rhodes winning headers and uh, Patterson winning headers and, and, and Green pacey in behind mm. means they can't commit fully to, to all-out attack. So when he came on, Paul Walker did say his last goal was for Charlton against Barnsley in a 2-1 oh, win. There we go. And then it was funny, just after that kind of moment, that's when I think at the 85th mark, he did a really great run to relieve some pressure. I mean, that's essentially what you need for some pace on the counter, really, to kind of really relieve some of that. And then he just went on a great run up the pitch, one as a corner. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. That was was a really, really nice moment and probably the best we've seen of him so far. Yes. Heartbreakingly enough. So. But if we get, I mean, not to be. Well, I don't, I, we have no idea if the you know whatever his um, his his you know his numeration his package looks like in terms of what his take home and whatever. But if if from the outside looking in, if we're not paying in an extortionate rate and we get we get five or six games between now and the end of the season where he's able to just come on and do that job of do you know we've got a lead let's keep them let's make sure they can't fully commit to attacking with their their defenders. That's a job. It's a job that somebody needs to do. He looks like he could do it if he stays fit, and hopefully we we put a, we put ourselves in positions where he could come on and do that job for us. And um, that wouldn't be the worst thing. It wouldn't be the worst signing we've made in recent years by any stretch. If mm. if we just get like six six late, uh, you know, last five ten minutes appearances where he just stretches the game and offers a threat in behind, that would be. Lovely. <laughs> it does imply we're winning games, which obviously is not I mean, by no means a given. But um, yeah, well, there we go. I mean, anything else? That, that's me in terms of my notes. I had some really kind of pithy, kind of small, extra little <laughs> comments. Just um, I like that moment just in stoppage time where Patterson took this huge, lengthy throw in. That one is another throw in further up the pitch. Yes. Like that was great. Like I really enjoyed that. Um, beautiful sound of Wild Smith wrapping his studs against the post. That was fun. <laughs> the foul on the 86-minute mark that Patterson got a yellow for, I thought that was really soft. I thought that was DK DK doing some more kind of wrestling theatrics by just yeah. running at Patterson. That was some really poor officiating. It was weird, because I sort of think if I was Barnsley, I probably would have preferred the play to be allowed to continue as well. It was, well, it was hauled back and... Yeah, it was hauled back, and I was like, "What? Yeah. What's going on here?" Like, oh, it's an off-the-ball foul, and I'm like, "I looked at the highlight, and I'm like, that was terrible, awful decision from the referee." The other foul I didn't understand that, that was given was the one where Reach. There was one that was pulled back. Do you know, like, it happened on that that flank. Mm. Reach sort of tussled with the player, and then Bannon came in and took the ball, and then they pulled that back for a free kick. And I couldn't see, I couldn't see anything there either, to be honest. Um, with some baffling decisions, and obviously that's the linesman as well as the ref uh, in the, mm. in, in, embroiled in this nonsense. 
Um, no, that that was a bizarre thing, and I, I would have been as annoyed as the Barnsley player in that position because they could have got a ball in, and it was a much better opportunity. Open play when your opposition are sort of streaming back as fast as they can presents better chances for you than a set piece, I would think, generally. Anyway, there we go. Mowat missed. Doesn't matter. Mm. He was lucky to make the game, wasn't he? He had a red card overturned that meant that he he was supposed to be banned for this game, but he... Yes, they made a big deal in the breakup and the build-up that he was going to be sweating on their key man. Sweating on their... Oh, I bet you are, Paul. You dirty bugger. (laughs) (laughs) Is that... Is any more pithy comments? No. I'm just actually, just while we're chatting here, I'm just scrolling through um, Dom Housen's kind of recap of the, you know, the after post-match press conference. Okay. Um, so <clears throat> more stuff about going to look at Ravel Morrison. Uh, apparently Liam Shaw picked up a slight muscular injury. And then, you know, Hutch probably needed a few more days. Okay. Um, I do want to say, I really don't want to see this lineup interrupted for the next game. No. Like, I really don't want to see Hutchinson walk back into this team. I don't think it's a coincidence. No. I will agree with you completely, Rich. Oh, what a mess. But it has to be said, what a huge relief as well. Um, Mm. uh, It's been a long, long, hard uh, run of of, uh, so many different shades of loss, but each one of them a loss. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and to be honest, I was a bit emotional when we actually managed to hold on to the end of a game with uh, with with uh, a lead and, and take the three points. Because um, I was almost thinking it was just never going to happen. Um, just looking to the run towards now and the end of the season is not an easy one. Um, and playing better didn't seem to mean anything until this week and uh, it's meant four points this week which has been which is vitally important it's huge and, uh, yeah a huge shot in the arm and one thing that was a bit disappointing for me was and I understand and obviously we have to be realistic about the situation we're in um but John Pearson was so kind of bogged down in what Rotherham were doing and other results that he's like yeah well we've won but it's like but I think we've just got to look at what we do We've got four Completely. points from this week. Yeah. And and uh, I, I almost think Rotherham, if Rotherham put on a run, it, they're not actually our challengers in this. If they've, if with all their games no. in hand, they can easily pull themselves clear of this. And there's nothing we can do about it. But there are teams that we can draw into the mix if we buck up our ideas. And for me, it's more about Birmingham and Coventry. So the fact Birmingham got tonked is important. Yeah. Um Coventry got a got a draw against Wickham, you know. So th- there are teams in bad form, and they are they are uh, they are reachable if we manage to string some results together. It's a huge if, mm. uh, but I feel better about that prospect now than I did a week ago. Um, I still think it's an almost impossible task. I know, uh, I know, but I mean, we're down from we were nine points off, and now we're six points off. Yeah. If there's any hope of this any happening or having any any bearing on what we're doing here, we just just have to just keep chipping away at this deficit. Absolutely. God, I, God, I feel like I'm almost getting hope. What's wrong with me, Rich? I know that's the terrible that's bad. thing. We'll, that's really bad. We'll, we'll, we'll turn around just enough to give ourselves some hope, and then that will make the uh, 
the, the eventual crushing much, much worse. Um, I mean, the interesting thing is we, we looked at, like, I can't recall. Where did you say Wednesday we're going to finish this year? I I can't recall either, but I, I, I think it was just outside. I thought, I think... I, I had the same thing as well. Cause I, yeah. So, I mean, if it is going to happen, we thought it was going to be close. So, yeah. I can't believe we've had seven games where we just took zero points. I'm still astonished. Like, it's so bad. It's dreadful, yeah. It's so, so awful to just have think, well, that's, that's zero from 21. It's not even three from 21. You know, it's not even we won one of them or we drew three games. I know. That's, you know, that why, be... I, that's why I thought the midweek draw, although it was disappointing given that it was a winnable game, mm. taking something is just so important. Yes, yes, draws kill you, but a draw is better than a loss. Um, draws kill you is like, oh, you don't want to lose winning positions and turn them into draws. <laughs> it doesn't mean <laughs> it's better to lose a game. Um, so it was pivotal, I think. Oh, well, I hope. I hope we're looking at the, that feeling. It's important, and this is not the blip in in a in a sea of red. Um, my worry is since more came in and I think we could instantly see there was an improvement. My worry is it's t- it's too late. And I think if we'd had more from oh, Christmas, I know. if we'd appointed more when we got Pulis, you know, that's what we might be looking at. Oh, if we'd done it three weeks earlier, four weeks earlier. I know. Um, I mean, it's just the last possible moment where it could make any difference is when we made that change. I mean, and- there are bigger... There are bigger sins in this term of the season. Pulis is a huge sin. Yeah. But, um, I think one of the things we're going to look back on the season, I think one of the things that's going to kind of break my heart a little bit was just how much it fell apart for Neil Thompson after yeah. such a great start. You know, I was really hoping that we wouldn't need to make another appointment and that Neil Thompson would have done enough to make like a valiant effort for seeing out the season. But then was it four losses on the spin? Or was it five yeah, losses it, before it, we it, got to? It really is. Yeah. Five losses, I guess, right? Because we've yeah. had... Is this the fourth game of Darren Moore's spell at Sheffield Wednesday Manager? This is the fifth of Moore, I think. Fifth of Moore. Oh, dear. So, yeah, okay. Just... But, I mean, you know, especially that... Just the complete self-destruction of Lutz. I don't know. We can... We can... Let's let's be positive for today. Yeah. Let's, let's enjoy this one, because it's... Hopefully, we'll get a few more of these. But it's just been such... Such a long time coming. We can talk about this season in great depth when it's over. And and we will. And we will. Um, do you want to pick out a, a star man? A star man. Um, there's a lot of good performances today. You know, a lot of understated good performances that I want to say on the pitch. I think I'm going to have to go for Jordan Rhodes. Yeah. He scored two goals. <laughs> he scored five goals for the season. He scored yeah. three in the last three. It like, makes all the difference, doesn't it? Because It does all the good stuff doesn't matter as long as you, if you don't put it in and it, it's, <laughs> it looks so simple when people are good at it, but very few people are good at it. And um, it's nice to see him making it look simple because that's what he's done all his life and hasn't done in a Wednesday shirt. But um, yeah, I think John Rhodes, I think honorable mention for Windass because everything good today, he was right in there as well. Um, but yeah, yeah, well done, well done, Jordan Rhodes. A fine, fine week. How would you do for honourable mentions? I th- well, I think I, I think Windass gets an honourable mention. Mm-hmm. Anyone else? Um, 
No, by and large, I, I, there's nobody. Nobody's getting a criticism today. I don't think. Mm. Um, I was also wondering about whether we could do an honorable mention for Darren Moore. Yeah, I think it's it's due. I I don't know what's going to happen for the rest of the season. I want to watch slash don't want to watch. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm whatever happens. Like I'm more optimistic that given some resources and given some vision, we can we can have a better season next season under Darren Moore. Yes. Regardless definitely. of what division we're in. Yeah, I I, I agree. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, I don't know that anybody else stands out it from the crowd enough to sort of get get a, a special mention, but I did think of everybody did a good job. I thought Urigide looked the part there against a physical challenge in DK. I mean, we sort of laughed at him, but he um, that was a, that was a that was a sort of fun tussle to watch, and I, and I think he probably came out on top by and large. Um, he looks much more comfortable on the right hand side of that three. Um, I thought I thought Pelipessi had quite a good game. I think he's had a couple of quite good games in a row. Um, he was, he was. I thought the the spine of that midfield was pretty good. Yeah, and strengthens the fact that, unfortunately, as he is now, I wouldn't have argued this two years ago, three years ago. But as it stands, the legs of Pelopessi win out over Hodge. I don't. Yes. If he comes back in the team, it's got to be as part of that defence. And even then, I'm not convinced because I like the balance of of Berner being in there and Urigide. Um Anyway, yes, there we go. Well, a positive end to the week. And, uh, oh, fingers crossed. We've got some time now, haven't we? Is, is, that, the, uh, is that the idea? Between, it's international and break. Next... Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and then I think we're we're going back to finishing off the season with only I think there's only a couple of midweek games if that. I mean we've got the we've got the Friday Monday of the Easter weekend, which is a typical thing. Mm. That might be the big, big uh, busiest and most congested period, which is it's probably a real relief for these players considering this, the schedule. Oh, yeah. I mean whether that makes them perform any better. <laughs> yes. Oh boy, let's not let's not make any predictions there. <laughs> <laughs> Do we? I I knew the date for the Swansea game b- before, and now it's I've forgotten it again. Do we know? It's mid-April. It's mid-April. Been, so that looked like the only time we could have played. Yeah, that was the first one that kind of cropped up. So I think it's either the thirteenth or the fourteenth of April. We'll also. I think Rotherham have got a couple of their postponed games are actually happening this international break, aren't they? No, they're not either. When are they going to get to play their games? I don't know. It's insane. I mean, because there's talk about them maybe getting penalised if they don't get them played, isn't there? Well, I I did speak to a, a friend of mine, um, my friend Daz Whitechapel Owl, who you may know as his delicious mm. gifts. Shout out to Daz. <laughs> um, he was saying, I was like, oh, surely they can just play after the eighth of May, and he's like, nope, that's a penalisable offence to play wow. beyond the decreed end of the season. I mean, it's already been tough with them missing. I think the first outbreak they've missed about three games, and then if they mm. missed another three as well, it's uh, it's astonishing how much football they have to play to make up. They are four games behind. Thirty-eight is seen as the like how many games a team should have played by now. Yeah. Wow. Well, that, yeah, this could it could be interesting. But as I say, if they if they sort of do even a half decent job, they should be able to pull themselves away from. They could be sitting. Mm. thinking that they're Huddersfield in a couple of weeks' time. Right. Um, exactly. I mean, if if we are not in a position to bring another team into the mix, then definitely definitely Rotherham's going to make Birmingham or Coventry. 
I'm thinking Birmingham. I'm thinking as it stands right now. I like. I hope I'm wrong, but I think it's going to be Wickham Wednesday in Birmingham in League One. Yeah, but I, I would. I wouldn't feel comfortable if I was Derby at this stage, and I wouldn't feel. And 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 then there's two teams south of them as well. So I don't know. It's it's. Uh, and Forest are in terrible form. They're only. I mean, that's a long way away. They're ten points above us. But um, just in terms of teams that could get sucked into all this. Mm. Um, there's a there's not many there's not many green W's uh, <laughs> when you get when you get south of the top top sort of fourteen teams in the league it's all pretty pretty red pretty red and the odd bit of grey for a draw um, so yeah so where there's life there's hope <laughs> and uh, I think that feels like a nice note to to round things off on um, so I will wish you and everyone listening a good week Luke and say cheerio thank you Rich I hope you and the listeners have a great one too